We are grateful to be able to <clears throat> worship the Lord together here at Risen Hope each and every week. And we are grateful for you. If you're a guest here, you've never been here before, um, that you get to be in here with us. We were supposed to be outside today, um, but we're Southerners, <coughs> some of us, and, uh, and it's cold. And so we decided to have two services for the first time ever. So we're going to kind of bump along a little bit as we go, having two services. We've never done that before. Um, so we're excited. I wanted to send greetings to you from um, a sister church in Poland. I got a text this morning. It was a guy from Belarus who um, had to flee the country. The KJB was after he and his family and uh, some other families. One of the ladies from the church had already gone to jail for several months, um, was released and had to flee. And so I get a text this morning saying, he is risen. And man, that's a little different than Samuel and I saying he's risen. It's good, but it's like, no, here's a guy who understands the resurrected Christ and living for Christ in a different way than some of us will ever understand. Why do we celebrate Easter? <clears throat> I think there's no better words in the words of a fisherman in the book of Acts chapter 2. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. It'll also be on the screen. In the context, the people are actually <clears throat> think that Peter <clears throat> and the other disciples are drunk. Like, that's an interesting thing. I don't know that I've ever preached and people thought I was drunk. I've never been drunk in the pulpit, so just to let you know. Um, and they are speaking different languages, and the assumption is these guys are drunk. And here's what Peter says in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22. He says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jesus, point number one, came to earth, died, and was raised. Jesus, the God-man, was sent by God the Father to earth. And Peter says in Acts chapter 2 here um, that Jesus, quote, did mighty works and wonders and signs, unquote, in order to show the people the power of God. The prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah would have the Spirit of the Lord upon him and proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. And we see that throughout Jesus' life. He healed the blind. He helped the lame walk. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. The Messiah Jesus came to show the reversal of sin's effects, the kingdom coming into this world. He came to restore the kingdom of God on this earth. But Jesus did not come to live a long, prosperous life into his 80s and 90s and then, you know, have a retirement and then uh, go to heaven. No, he knew his purpose very clearly. 
He told his disciples of his impending death even before most of the controversies were stirred up. If you read through the Gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus talks about his, his upcoming death and resurrection. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus talks to his disciples about his upcoming death and resurrection. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talks to his disciples about his upcoming death and resurrection. He was very clear. And yet many of them were still not understanding as he went toward the cross. Acts 2.23 says that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God the Father. It wasn't just Jesus' enemies' plan to kill Jesus. It wasn't just Judas selling Jesus out or the Pharisees' anger or Pilate's passivity or even the Romans' cruel mockery and torture of a cross. Jesus wasn't just a victim of the culture. This was God's plan the whole time. God was always in control. This was the spotless Lamb of God going to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. Jesus was crucified and killed by lawless men, the text says. <clears throat> but it was the will of God the Father to crush him. Isaiah 53, 750 years before Jesus came to this to walk the earth, 750 years before that, Isaiah 53 is written, and it says this in verse 4, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, upon Jesus, was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone <clears throat> to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was God's plan to rescue a people. This was God's plan to seek and save the lost. This was God's plan for your sin. And Acts 2.24 then tells us that Jesus' death is not the end of the story. If Jesus died on the cross and stayed dead, we are hopeless. That's what 1 Corinthians says. We are hopeless. We are most to be pitied. But Jesus did raise from the grave. Verse 24 of Acts chapter 2 says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible for him to be held by death. And so the Father had a definitive plan to crush Jesus for sin, but also a definitive plan to raise him up from the dead, conquering sin, death, and Satan. Romans 6 tells us that Jesus' death and resurrection has a purpose for us as well. In Jesus, in him, in Jesus' death, we died. He's a substitute. All who've trusted him, in his death, we die. And in his resurrection, we have new life. In Jesus' death, our sins are paid for and forgiven for all who've trusted him. And in his resurrection, we have new life if we are in him. All who have life in Christ, all who've trusted Jesus as their Savior, resonate with this. They rejoice in Christ's kind grace to them. But all who don't know Jesus as their Savior, we want you to know you're sitting among a room full of people who formerly rebelled against Jesus. 
We wanted our own way. We were running away from Jesus as, as hard as possible. Some of us were five years old. Some of us were 55 years old. And we're running away from him. And at some point, Jesus took us and changed our hearts and washed us and, and gave us the Holy Spirit. We're full of messed up people. We don't have our acts together. Stick around a little while. You'll get to know that. But Jesus took our heap load of sin upon himself and died on the cross for our sin and rose from the grave showing he conquered that sin. Recently, my kids and I were watching Dude Perfect videos. Anybody like Dude Perfect in here? We like some Dude Perfect videos, yeah? We enjoy watching those sometimes. And Dude Perfect videos, if you just Google it, um, they do crazy stuff all the time. It's these guys who act like they're still in college. They're really not, but they enjoy doing really fun things. They make a lot of money for it. So um, one of the, the challenges they had one time is seeing if they could break a wine glass with their voice. Interesting thing. So they have this like wine glass hold at the stem. The wine glass is right here. And the guy's trying to do like, oh, and like, can he break the glass with his voice? What's interesting, the way they tested it is they have a little wine glass. They put a toothpick in there and a certain octave or frequency of his voice, the, the toothpick starts kind of dancing. And so he's like, oh, and then boom, it breaks which don't do this at home because it, it like glass in your face is maybe not a good idea. So parents, just note that. If you hear your kid later today, whoa, like just know something's up downstairs. Go get them. What we find in this passage of Acts chapter 2 is that there, there is a tune. There, there are notes of the gospel of Jesus that start reverberating in the hearts of people. And at some point, the heart breaks. And it breaks over our sin. It breaks over our need for a Savior. And that's what happens in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says this. It'll be on the screen. It says, now when they heard this, these are people hearing Peter talk about what Jesus did, his death and his resurrection. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That's point number two. What shall we do? What shall we do is a great question when we start thinking and contemplating about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What shall we do is a great question. We consider our sin against our holy creator. What shall we do calls for response. And this is what Peter, this fisherman, continues to tell them. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. What should we do? We should repent. We should turn from our sin. We should, we're going this way. Repent is a U-turn going toward God. So away from sin and toward God. That is what rebels are called to when they are before a God and that tune comes and their heart breaks. They turn from sin and turn toward Jesus Christ. 
Because Jesus forgives sin. Jesus gives a new soft heart. Jesus watches us of our sin, of all the condemnation, of all the regret, of all of our past. He watches us of our sin and claims forgiveness for all who trust him. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit that we're united with Christ. We're united with our Creator. And when we we repent and turn to Christ, Jesus welcomes us into his family, and he welcomes us into a lifestyle of repentance. That's what we have now. We can own our mess, and we go again to the cross. We go again to grace. We go again to God day after day. We go from unbelief to belief in this area, and unbelief to belief in that area, and this area, and that area. Unbelief to belief. And then what should we do after we repent for the first time, after we turn to Christ, after we've trusted him as our Savior, we should be baptized. We should affiliate with Christ, his death and resurrection, and should affiliate with Christ's body, his baptized believers. We're united to Christ, and we're united to Christ's body, the church. Verse 41 says this, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. God brings 3,000 souls from death to life in that one day. And our prayer is that God would bring some from death to life today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I am begging you to turn from your sins and trust Christ today. Today may be the day of salvation for you. If God is tugging on your heart, if you're hearing the reverberations and it's shaking you a bit, and God wants to break your heart in a good way, to turn you from yourself and your sin, I encourage you. You can even pray in your seat, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sin. I trust your death on my behalf on the cross. I want to live for you. I want to end today with a picture. You'll see it uh, on the screen. This is called the three circles. The three circles. This is One picture we often use when we are talking to people about the gospel. just want to share it with you. Over here on the right side, it says brokenness. We live in a world that is broken. I don't have to really explain that much to you. We all know it. Just scroll social media for about five seconds, and you will see brokenness. You'll see brokenness by your friend who talked bad about your other friend. You'll see brokenness by the storm over here or the earthquake over there or the shooting over here. It's brokenness. We know we live in that. But that's not the way God created the world. God created the world, or God's design is full of a world, this second circle on the left, the world that is full of love and peace and wholeness. God created the world in such a way that there's so much love and peace and wholeness that that we can't even imagine it. We can't even wrap our minds around it. But here's the problem. All of us have rebelled against God's design. All of us have rebelled against God, and we have run toward the brokenness. All humanity, starting with Adam and Eve, and all of us have been born in sin and have chosen sin. That running from God toward the broken world is called sin. But you know what we do in our sin? We try to fix it, don't we? Don't you try to fix your life, fix the world? There's, you go into Barnes & Noble or you scroll on Amazon. There's a lot of things about fixing Fix your life. And so those little squiggly lines represent different ways we try to fix our life. Sometimes we try to fix our life by relationships. 
If I just have good relationships, if I just find a spouse, if I just have a best friend, if I just get along with my neighbor, whatever it is, then life will be whole. Some of us try to fix our lives by enough finances, finances that we don't have to depend on others or we got everything figured out. So if we, th- we think if we get just enough money, then we'll be fixed. Some of us try by religion. That's another squiggly line out there. And we just, if we, if we do all the things, if I pray the right prayers or read the Bible enough times, I come to church on Easter and Christmas, or I do this, or I, I do all that, then I'll be fixed. And we, we do, 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 do in order to get to God. But here's the problem with all those squiggly lines. They just kind of slingshot us back in the brokenness and just bring more brokenness to the world. Because we all know relationships don't fix everything. We all know money doesn't fix everything. And you just look around the world, religion doesn't fix everything. So how do we get back to God's good design? There's only one way. It's to turn from our sins. It's to repent of our sins and believe in Jesus Christ. You come down to this bottom circle. If we turn from our sins and believe in Jesus, that he came down to this earth, he died on the cross, and he rose from the grave, and he is now king, and he sits on his throne, and you trust him as your king, you will find yourself to be new, uh, restored, back to God's good design that he created us for. And guess what? Then you go back into the brokenness. That's what our church is all about. We go back into brokenness because we know that Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost. Jesus saved us. He, he pulled us out of darkness into light. And you're going to hear stories in just a minute of five different people, some children, some adults, that God did that. Friends, are you ready to go there? Are you ready to trust Jesus as your Savior if you haven't? Today may be the day of salvation. So if you're interested in that, talk to someone who brought you. Talk to one of the pastors. Talk to your parents if you're a kid. We would love for you to know Jesus as your Savior. We'd love to be celebrating your baptism next Easter or in a month or whenever. We'd love for you to be in the kingdom, united to Christ and united to his church. We're going to end now through prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we got to hear story after story after story of you working in the lives of Willow and Eliza, Hadley and Charlie and Lindsay. God, thank you for the lives that have been changed in this room. God, you did that. You did that. And we thank you, Lord. Those are miracles of your grace. You, you seek and you save the lost. You see us in our harassment and, and helplessness, and you came. And then you say, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. So we pray, Lord, that we who don't know you would know you, and we who do know you would go back into the brokenness. Strengthen us in that this week. In Jesus' name, amen.